the the big thing for me is firstly everything will stay the same if we do nothing um we can't ever fall into the temptation of believing people when they say that things will fix themselves it ne- it doesn't happen that way um sometimes i think things like apartheid if we i think i read someone make a comment like if we had waited for white people to see the wrong in their eyes we may still have been in apartheid you know change does not happen um if we do not pursue it so that's just the first big statement um and when we're trying to create social change in the beginning guys that journey is full of supporters as we are seeing currently the waves and waves of people who want to be allies against racism want to be allies against gender based violence they are plentiful and many of them may even look like us many of them may um see the world the same as us in the beginning but these things get lonely <laughs> in the middle you, it's it's almost like when everyone is hyped and we say let's do something people say yes and then when we are starting people start to just filter off and you start looking around you and you're like why am i the only one now why why is it can't magup laban and then at the end you'll start realizing there are so many supporters that come up because it looks like you're going to win um social change works that way people want to take credit when the thing got done but people don't want to put in the work and it's important that for us we mustn't allow ourselves to to get discouraged that when we started this journey there were plenty and now in the middle there's no one and then we take that as an indication that no one wants to change anymore it's just not true we, uh the beginning journey is very trendy it's very hot it's happening so people want to be um aligned with that but as you move forward people realize the cost and say i i don't want that but when they see you're about to finish and you're going to win they will come and say come let's do this thing together so that they can you know take the selfies in the end uh, i was reading a lot of the um 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 Twitter post that some people in in the states were doing and sharing how literally a a a white person would stop their car next to them and ask to take a picture with them <laughs> with their signs and then go back into their car and go home you know those people exist and it's just not american craziness it's just humanity you know uh social media is going to create a lot more supporters of things because no one wants to look like the idiot who didn't keep up with the trend so we mustn't just believe those crowds in the beginning so when change challenges hegemony uh this will be the greatest battle you will face uh some changes if it's just about you and your small group nyana uh, those ones are easy but ultimately when we're trying to change stuff that matters uh these are battles because these things have always created um a group of people who have benefited it's created a hierarchy it's created dreams you know uh if you think for instance when we want mine miners to be paid better 
all those people who are owning mines in their minds there's a there's a there's a certain amount of money and a lifestyle they've dreamt of so when you're coming and saying nah but pay these people fair it's almost like an insult to be like do you understand my dreams with you know um so we must understand that those will always be our biggest battles so when we are trying to move in the circles of social change we must find partners so that we don't depend on supporters um and what i mean by that is if we depend on people who look like supporters to carry us through a process of creating change where it's lonely it's not going to work we'll probably fail um but when you find like-minded people who are willing to partner with you and you have a relationship you can encourage each other because as i said change is quite lonely uh when it gets uh to the hard work um and also remembering that change also feels impossible for victims <laughs> you know those who are suffering those who've had power um on top of them change feels impossible so they may also participate in actions which feel like self sabotage because they they can't believe change will happen they can't believe you they've been stuck in this moment and we shouldn't we shouldn't be so hurt when we see those who are trying to help look like they don't want it it's there's a psychology of struggling that makes many of us look like uh we are our own worst enemies uh but we must remember that that they too may not believe that change can happen so it mustn't discourage us and then as a last big point for me one of the difficult things for our generation and when i say our it's already me now but 80s baby and then the 90s and the double o's and the post tens you know all all of us our struggle is we are uncomfortable with some truths that we may not live to see the perfect change we are maybe in the beginning process of where there's incremental changes that someone else will continue and perhaps that can be what then discourages us to almost think this thing is too impossible and so I'm not going to start it so that's the perfectionism thing or the selfish need to see things change now and do a disservice to it and i think the heart of young people in 76 i don't think they expect to die um but i don't think they necessarily decided that i will get into action only if i know i will live to see it um but there was a there was a moral understanding that this is wrong and come what may and that is the attitude i find we need to get better at doing as um as people who want to bring change is some things we may not see the end point some things we will see the incremental change but if we morally believe in it then that should be fine um then the carrots that make us perhaps postpone change or disregard um things that need to happen won't be so enticing because we understand that I'm here for the long road 
and I may not see it, but I'm still going to do it. So that for me was just the, the big takeaways for me that I wanted to just um, sort of share that we all think about for ourselves. So this, for any of you, if there's, there's still some points or some questions you want to pose, let's maybe spend the next 10 minutes and then I'll, we wrap it up. Um, what, what is everyone's sense? Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I can make a comment. Um, so a lot of what has been said is coming from like-minded people, people who are invested and are interested in bringing about social change, positive social change, mm. um, social justice, emancipating people who have been victims of abuse, misuse and exploitation. So I think the best place to start is to build a network within amongst ourselves. Um, we need to try and understand that in as much as we may not necessarily invest in, in a particular idea of an individual, we should invest in what the goal is for that person. So we should support the person. Sometimes we may support monetarily, we may support emotionally, psychologically, and all of those things. So we need to strategically place ourselves within somewhat of a, a resource well for that person so that they're able to tap into that well whenever they, they want to venture out into a, a project of any social impact, you know? So that's the one, the one point. Um, I think Utim had asked me a question earlier on. Um, hey. Yeah, how do, you, the, how do you keep motivated one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so, as, as you have mentioned, it is a lonely journey and it is, it is isolating. It's isolating to be a leader and it is isolating to want to emancipate people and individuals. Um, what I've often found is that I, I, I somehow I align myself with people who are like-minded and people who want to to do good and to be to be better and to do better. You know, so I think that is what has given me the longevity because they have been been at it, eh? um, <laughs> and the longevity and just the, the sustenance of the endurance of of wanting to, to do good for people. Um, and I think bearing in mind that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams is also something that drives me and pushes me forward. Because if I look at it, 1958, uh, 56, 1961, 1976, and the 1980s uprisings, even the 1990s, all those things have happened strategically so that we are at this point where we are talking about what they had done and what we should be moving forward and saying, more especially to the point that Dr. Diallo was saying that she, they, their generation have given the baton over to us. And we have to accept that responsibility. And we need to, to, to be aware of the sacredness of it, to say that it is not, it's not just a responsibility that they're giving us, but it is a responsibility of generations and generations to come. And we need to take it seriously that 
Um, it is not something that's going to come. It might not, it, the reality is that it might not happen even in our generation, but because of the tools that we have, because of the resources that we have, I think a lot of things have been catalyzed and a lot more change is going to be effected within in our time. Um, so, so we should remain steadfast. We should remain optimistic and positive about, you know, sort of, for example, bringing justice to people who have been victims of whatever abuse, gender-based violence, um, exploitation at the workplace, you name it, all these things. We should, we should remain steadfast in making sure that we bring justice to the people and we should question things that were seemingly bringing justice in the past, like a truth and reconciliation um, committee. What was the purpose of those things, you know? And um, the policies that were placed back then in 1994 and all of these things, and we need to really question. I think now is the time for us to question and enact change where it is necessary. And I think we are well equipped um, to do that. What in whatever respect, in terms of education, in terms of um, you know social resources, we are well equipped to to get to that point. Mm. Very, very, very true. Um, while others are thinking if they want to have a last comment, I really actually like some of the uh, chats I didn't now read. So I'll continue with Ria's one. Then I'll, I'll come to you, Nozi. So Ria's one says, divide and conquer, pit people against each other, making them forget that even though they're different, they're still all fish in a bucket. And the red hearings of distract people with a new or different issue or give them a new person to hate. When we want to talk, we're overbearing. When we want to revolt, talking is suddenly the answer. Very true. And in South Africa, reconciliation being put above and beyond reparations and retribution. True. And then Gatleho highlighted the issue of friendships, that in my life, friends as well, we fear standing alone because as a person, there's an inborn need for relationship. So it's difficult to let go of those friendships because of what y'all have gone through together. So friends sometimes hold you with that, knowing that you fear standing alone. Uh, Timna, black students can't congregate on campus, bring in security and keep a careful eye on them. Yep. And then Yamoria, don't worry, it's coming. Yeah, Then precious. When change is put into motion and one has done the research on the type of change, there are still other things that will come in the way and lack of motivation make, makes you give up. Perseverance becomes hard when each hurdle becomes higher than the previous one, makes you slack. And then Tandani, I think that's exactly why I wasn't active before because at the beginning, people hop onto the bandwagon and then when it gets tough, people hop off. That kind of behavior discourages people from fighting for change because it's like they stay the same, I being one of them. It's very reflective, young man. Well done, Tendan. Um, I think it was, I think I saw Nozipo. Oh, yeah, I think you had your hand up, isn't it? Sorry, I muted myself. Oh, yeah. Um, the last word I'd like to say, um, tying back to everything that's been said in the beginning of the conversation, I think the biggest thing or the biggest tool rather that is used to stifle change is the education system, right? 
And it goes back to what she said in the beginning. How do we continue um, using an education system that was bought by the oppressor? How do we then expect to move forward and use the same thing that is placed to hinder us from moving forward? Um, it hinders generation to come because I feel like what's taught in the education system is not enough. It's not substantial. Um, it goes back to what someone said earlier on is that um, what we are taught in the education system is to reward perfection. And what that brings about is an inferiority. And when you want to come forward and bring about the change and speak about certain things, you start questioning yourself first because you question um, the, cap the external capabilities that you have. Right. Um, and I also think the education system is used to turn us against each other. And I think it's someone, something someone touched on. Um, it's used to, to um, turn us against each other. And that's why we're not able to walk on this path together. And that's why it seems like our collaborative effort is in vain. Um, because in that journey of us trying to bring about the change, then we start um, establishing, establishing so many differences um, that are brought about by the, education, by the education system because you went to a Model C school and you went to whatever school in the township that you went to, it means we are not equals because we were taught from the onset that, you know, uh, Nozipo from the township is not the same Nozipo as the one from um, the suburbs. So we struggle in this journey with so much imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome and, and, and priority crisis because we're trying to reconcile um, I'm trying to reconcile all these different characters that can exist in all these different places, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if we can work towards bettering the education system, teaching our kids about things that really matter, the content that we put up um, in the spaces that we're in will also inform what will happen and how we will enable the future generations um, to do what they need to do and bring about the change that we need. True, very, very, very true, Nozipo. And I think the educational space, one of the big struggles is the lie that black intellectual smart people should not become teachers. Um, that, that is contributing to just why the education system cannot work. Um, because we are told when people can see that there's a little bit of ability here that you, you mustn't pursue being a teacher. Um, so those who are working in, in education will tell you that the staff rooms are full of ignorance, the staff rooms are full of people who just are not intelligent. <laughs> That's a very um, sad reality, but it's built on the fact that who were told to become lawyers and doctors instead of um, maybe pursuing becoming teachers and, and infiltrating the education system. So I, I, I hear you, Nozipo, and that is going to definitely be one of our, our, our matter bouts because um, the race issues in schools exist to keep change from not happening. Um, but yeah, okay, Jackie, it's your turn. So I guess there's a there's a couple of things that I could say about you know that we talked about today, um, but I guess the biggest one I've had these conversations um, with my friend, my girlfriend, all of you probably know her before, mm. and it's one of the things where I said like you know 
maybe because of where I am right now, the country that I live in right now, is like, okay, things are going quite well for the people here, right? Mm. Then I compare things to how they are in South Africa. And it's frustrating being a South African because there's potential for a lot of different things that could go well. And just seeing that how people live on a day-to-day basis is terrible. Like, it's a struggle. Every day is a fight for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people need to come to the realization that, you know, our government is supposed to do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, that are supposed to make the life of their average person better. But they aren't doing that. For whatever reason, you know. And then now, and unfortunately for people that are living in the middle class, but the middle class people in Africa, the people that pay tax, a lot of tax, you know, to keep the country going. And I think unfortunately for the middle class that is often overworked and underpaid, they're the people because they now have the, maybe the intelligence, uh, not only the intelligence, but the knowledge of how the inner works of the country are supposed to go. But the people are now burdened with actually having to fix the country and it's not their job. It's, mm-hmm. it's not reasonable to expect that a person like CJ, anybody on this call, is supposed to be going to a team government to make sure that, okay, you guys said they're going to fix the street, but it's not being fixed for five years. You guys know what you're supposed to do. Because the expectation of society is that, you know, the people that you put in charge are supposed to act properly. They're supposed to do things, you know, that are able to make things work for everybody else. But unfortunately, it's not that. So I think now it's more like, okay, at what point in society or in South African society will people actually say, like, you know what, guys, this is not working anymore. But everybody's going to say, like, okay, it's not working anymore. What will we do with our home today to make sure that, you know, things actually go how we want them to go? And like the previous lady did say that, you know, things like education, we're now telling the government, like, this is not working anymore. And give them a plan because unfortunately now, we have to think for solutions because the government is not doing that for us. We need to now think for solutions and tell the government to implement them and actually hold them accountable. And hold them accountable is, I guess, the tricky part is like, how do you go about doing that, you know, in a more tangible way? Like, is it attending council meetings? Is it, you know, going out to vote? You know, those sort of things. Like, how do we force government now to do what it's supposed to do? Because it's not, it's not doing that. Um, you know, our country could be better. A lot of things in our country could be better, but there aren't because I think maybe the idea that people in government don't necessarily know. And I think that maybe gives them a bit too much credit. I think often they do know, but they don't care for it. Because the things that happen are outside of their immediate control or circumstance, not even control. Like, you know, if a school somewhere is not getting proper textbooks, my kid goes to a private school as a minister or whatever. So that's, it's not my problem. I don't care, really. My kid is getting good education. They can go to a fancy private school. But we need to force these things to happen because... At the end of the day, we suffer from these things and we are the ones who benefit from things that should go in our way. So it's a point of like, okay, people, I think we've talked, uh, even generally for the past couple of years, people have talked about, you know, things that are wrong in the country. But now it's, it comes to a point of like, okay, guys, what tangible steps can actually now start putting in place to make sure that things actually start working as it's supposed to go? Like putting actions that, okay, we want this to be done. When will it be done? And, you know, those sort of things. And we can start little by little. You know, start building up. At least when you can get the momentum going, then it gets a bit, I don't know if it's time, but you can actually get it rolling. Like, okay, you know, we started with this and it got done. Okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And then as you go along, you can build up to the big ticket items that you want to fix in society. Mm. And yeah. Mm. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And I, th- I think what we are going to start realizing as a society is that we need to quickly get over the excitement of uh, getting access because we have money. Um, Because 
You know, when you obviously look at a sociological level, uh, every society where they had had nothing, they have to have a generation that overdoes the bling thing because it's new and then has to then wake up to the realization that this thing, if we love it too much, is going to be the reason we don't change anything, you know, because that's how privilege works. You end up just wanting to protect the little access that you have. So that's why we are finding that people, instead of fixing a public school, will rather go start a private school. And you're like, but that does, you are being selfish here. But we need to almost get that as a community and think, yeah, I need to get over the fact that money's nice. <laughs> you know, and, and access is nice. Otherwise, nothing will change. Um, so very good there, Jackie. Thank, thanks for your words. Uh, maybe let's give Musa a chance to just say your last word. And if anyone else has a burning thing they want to say, raise your hand uh, and, then, and then we'll close off. Thank you so much, Sita. Uh, I think the one thing that's really important for me is the idea of people not losing themselves in trying to change uh, or rather effect social change and social positive change. It's very important that people take care of who they are and their individualism. But also what this means is that in picking out a change, um, or rather a sector in, in society that you'd like to change and effect change in, it's very important that you choose one that resonates with you so that you don't lose the faith in the fight. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people we'll just go with, for example, we'll just go with the wind. So everyone is now Black Lives Matter, but I think it's because everyone is Black, so I think they understand this. But I'm just saying that it's very important that when you choose to fight for something, you actually believe in it and it informs who you are because that easily makes it, it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it worth waking up for. And it makes it, uh, it makes even the work that you do for it uh, much more significant in that regard. And I want to say that, but I also want to speak social change and say that it's, it's, it's not, it's the reason why we should, as the youth, be involved in a lot of social work is because this is exactly the history that we come from. We come from a history of young people that will constantly fight for what's right. And we should continue the fight for what's right, even if it's hard. And I think those are my last words. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Nell, do you have any last words you want to give? And then I see KB has his hand up, so I'll also give you a chance. Um, I don't think I have much to say, just to say as, or rather to reiterate what Umus has been saying. Of, um, we need, we particularly as Black youth, we need to continue this uh, fight, so to speak, and to um, to move this forward into a dispensation that we are comfortable with, that we are proud of, and, and that we can say, you know what, we've actually done our ancestors proud. The people who had come before us have done them proud. Um, because at the end of the day, if we fix, um, or rather if we elevate those who are victims, or we, if we elevate those who were marginalized and were in the minority, we particularly elevate everyone else in society if you really think it and look at it and think about it properly. So if we can start changing our minds and shifting our, our, our thought processes towards that, I think we would be on the right track to effecting positive social change. And yes, the point that Musa has also mentioned of find something that is aligned to who you are um, or, and, and what makes you wake up and you know what is worthwhile for you, definitely, definitely 
do that. Um, there's a lot you can do in your own communities, um, at, at, in, in your own institutions as well. So I would definitely encourage that as well. Awesome. Well, thanks, Claire. Uh, KB? Okay, yeah, should be on mute now. Um, so just what I often think about with regards to, to change. So of course, incremental change is, a, um, is an important way to think about moving forward, about progressing. Um, now, in terms of just mentality, a paradigm shift, just all around the world, all around society, I think it's important for people to shift their focus from themselves with regards to um, benefits and disadvantages and whatnot. Um, I think a lot of what, a lot of the places that we are at now mentally is just with regards to ourselves, what's good for us, and just what can we get our hands on per se based on what we do every day, based on what we do for the next 10 years or whatever. Um, and this, this for me, um, it creates a very competitive, a very dog-eat-dog -dog type world, if you know what I'm saying, where people just mainly look out for themselves. It creates a lot of greed, per se. Um, mm. I think also we see in um, some of the, the in, in politics, for instance, um, politicians, especially as they get older, or just people in power as they get older, they start to think about how will they be once they retire, whatever, how will they be, how can they secure themselves once they've retired and whatnot? And with this pre-built mentality that I spoke about of just securing yourself, whatnot, of just looking out for yourself, this starts to, it can be easy to shift now to a sense of, okay, now I just want to gather as much for myself. And then you lose sight of why you're at the position, you are in the position that you are in, which is, um, you're supposed to be looking after the people who put you in that position, essentially, mm. um, because they tr entrust you to look out for the benefit of the country and, okay, also the, the interdependencies with other countries in the world and whatnot. And people end up not doing it. So people don't generally have the notion in their minds of what tree can I plant today to provide shade for the children of tomorrow. Mm. It's more about, no, let me go look for my own tree and then just take up space under that tree and then, you know, die comfortably under that tree instead of just, and I myself am trying to just forever, trying to progress with the mentality of looking out in terms of um, sharing and having a, a giving mentality sort of to other people, to help other people. Um, mm. And not like, I believe it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very idealistic notion per se, but it's just a thing of if everyone per se, if I can sort of try to simplify it, if everyone can have some sort of mentality of sharing, of giving, because for me, um, I believe in love as a giving thing, not a give and take, but just as a giving thing, because if everyone gives, if you think about it, no one will ever be in need. That's the way I think about it. 
Mm. And if we can all grow um, and lift each other in that way, I believe we can fundamentally improve quality of life all around and also lessen the fear of if I don't have what I have now, or if I lose something now, what's going to happen to me? Because we can, you know, trust in the values we've built up in each other mm. in a, and not in a transactional way. That's, that's, that's a very fine line that needs to be drawn. There shouldn't be if I give, you give, because also just a small point. I, I believe that you cannot be a good person if you base how good you are, how, other, on how good other people are to you. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm trying not to make 15,000 points. I'm trying to just keep it here. Um, <laughs> but, um, just fundamentally, I think we should be people oriented. We should be relationship oriented. We should be just positive oriented in, in terms of reform and just, mm. Okay, yeah, I'm going to stop there because there's so many more things that I can say, but we should just stop okay. focusing on objectivity and just be more people-oriented. I mean, just also as machines are starting to take over a lot of things, it, is, it has been said that future jobs are going to be better for people, are going to be more oriented towards, you know, interaction, people-to-people -people type things. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's just another point. But yeah, I, I, I think we will, we will uh, close things off from what Cabela said. Um, I'm really grateful that everyone joined and has stuck it out. Uh, this was almost like how our real uh, metabots used to be, where yeah, we, we lost time and we, we forgot that we wanted to finish. Um, but what I hope that describes for all of us is this need for community so what timna says about that we can't afford to be tired we will only be able to manage our mental health if we are all together in trying to bring about change the minute a person does feel like they are the only one or a lone wolf uh, you will then get tired easier and that's that's also why i thought that the model of Matterbots must be monthly so that it's almost even a check-in for everyone so that you are reminded that you really aren't the only one trying to change stuff. Um, and it's important that when we are doing the thing we're passionate about is to remember that the overall umbrella is bringing about social justice uh, and equitable change for people. So when you hear an issue that um, you aren't necessarily harmed by, you should still use that same notion of being an ally. But definitely um, not all of us are skilled in, in doing the footwork in every issue, but we have enough capacity to hear, to empathize and to support. Um, but definitely do the work in the stuff that you are pushed by. And I think even God strikes our hearts that way. And for those of us whose hearts never get struck by anything, you need to pray that God uh, fixes you because that, that is a defect. Um, that one I believe fully. Um, so here is then our next topic for um, July. You will see that we don't have a date uh, because COVID is COVID. So he, he, 
he or she, I don't know which gender must give COVID, <laughs> but COVID may, may be problematic and create issues, but hopefully I will be able to give it a date before the end of June. So we will now unpack the issue of um, gender-based violence, but from a perspective that says, are we honest as Black South Africans that um, women truly matter? And for me, what I've always found awkward is within Black culture, the mother is the queen. Um, you know, we always make jokes and that people beat people up if they swear about their mother. But our society doesn't reflect that. So that's, that is what we want to, to spend time on. And how it will work is if you feel very passionate about this, I can already predict some of you, you must tell me so that we give you uh, a similar role that we saw from Neo and Musa, where you, you kick us off. And it doesn't only have to be two people, so it can be multiple people. Uh, and I hope to speak less and hear more from everyone else. Um, I'll just co-facilitate and hopefully just give a couple of thoughts. But that is what we will do in...